In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My name is Andrea Reinhardt. I am part of the College of Preachers here at the table, which is just a really neat group of people, lay people, and people who are ordained, uh, who are learning to proclaim, as we all are learning to proclaim good news to one another, this is one way that we as a body are proclaiming good news in the College of Preachers. So I am just really privileged to be here this morning to share good news um, with all of us. I am also one of the co-directors of children's ministry, so sometimes you'll see me running around with those kinds of things and participate um, as a DNA group leader. And this morning, I'm again, just thankful to be here to proclaim good news. So we're continuing reading through, for the last several weeks, the Gospel of John uh, in John chapter 6 and kind of stepping into this impromptu mini-series on power. Uh, This morning's reading is definitely one of those um, that we chalk up to some of the hard sayings of Jesus. But in this, we're going to proclaim good news this morning. The God of creation is breathing new life into your bodies and into his body, the church. While the world goes on powering up and building stockpiles or self-preserving with fortresses, you, church, are invited into God's limitless abundance that no one can take away, the freedom to love one another and to love the other. As we hear these hard words this morning, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. If you feel a little repulsed hearing this, you are in good company. (laughs) And I find it really interesting. You know, so much of my time and energy I spend trying to make sure people understand what I'm saying, and yet somehow Jesus doesn't seem to have these anxieties. I want to say, Jesus... Could you have not said that in a different way? (laughs) A little more palatable way, (laughs) speaking of eating and drinking. But Jesus doesn't seem to have that anxiety, and he offers us this, this metaphor, this rich metaphor of eating and drinking. We all understand that as humans, we need food and drink to live. We have to have some form of nourishment in our bodies. This is a reality we accept. If we don't have that, we will not live. And so Jesus draws on this to remind us that in him we also need the nourishment of God. Not too long ago, I was just trying to deal with this kairos I was having. So if you're here for like five minutes at the table, you will hear the word kairos. And it's simply just a way of saying these are things and places in our life where we're noticing where God wants to meet us, where God wants to invite us into identifying bad news that we're hearing and hearing good news and being able to embody that good news. So I was working through this kairos of realizing that every time I don't feel like I have enough, um, my strategy tends to be to do whatever it takes, like whether that's enough provision, whether that's enough energy, whether that's enough time, my strategy is make that feeling go away of not having enough. Figure out a way to have enough. That's my strategy. And I realized as I was working through this bad news that God offered me this invitation, that God created us to have need. God created us to need him. God created us to need one another. God created other people to need us. And so there's an invitation when we face those moments of feeling that scarcity, of feeling that we don't have enough, um, to begin to receive the provision that God is offering to us. Now, I know that's a hard invitation for us to receive, especially in our culture. We spend a lot of time and energy making sure that we don't need other people. Because we have experienced a lot of bad news of powerlessness. We all started out as children 
we all started out uh, experiencing powerlessness at the hands of parents, at the hands of caregivers, in, with peers. Some of us have experienced abuse and trauma and complex trauma. Some of us understand the powerlessness of being without food or struggling to just get basic needs met. So an invitation to be and reckon with the fact that we are people who have needs and we are people who need others doesn't always feel like much of an invitation. We don't want to be beholden to others. We want to have the freedom, a freedom of being able to only have to answer to ourselves and take care of ourselves and be able to provide for ourselves. But Jesus is inviting us this morning into something different. In the context of John in this gospel, we see throughout this book uh, a message to people who are being made powerless. In the gospel of John, we read about people who are being made outsiders in their own communities. These are people who, unlike us, they're born, they live, they work, they eat, they share life, and they die with the same people. And they're being made outsiders in those communities because of following Jesus. We, we read in the Gospel of John that these who are following Jesus are being put out of their religious community, community, being put out of the synagogue, that they're people, because they follow Jesus, that are going to be hated, that they're people who are literally put to death. We know these stories of these faithful who were put to death because they followed Jesus. Their life in following Jesus was destabilizing in the empire. They were people who rejected systemic injustices, like how wealth is held and distributed. You might say that they were people whose parents criticized them for going too far astray from where, how they had been raised. Or maybe that they were faulted for talking about the injustices of the churches that they were raised in. You might say that they were people whose children thought that they were just a little too old-fashioned or holding on to old ideas because of not evolving in a particular way. That they were people who felt completely out of place at large family gatherings or were unfriended or canceled on social media. And to these, Jesus gave and gives the invitation to eat his flesh and drink his blood. It's not a, an invitation of, I'll get, I'll get the power back for you. Don't worry, I'll, sw I'll switch this around, I'll swap it around, I'll make sure that you get the power back. But it's an invitation to say that Jesus has a power that isn't threatened by the world and that he is offering and sharing that with those who take that bread and drink that wine. There is both a provision and a participation in the words that Jesus is offering. The provision of, as Father Matt was preaching last week, of Jesus who didn't have anxiety about getting what he needed or holding on to what he needed because he trusted in the Father of, of having all of the significance and all of the belonging and all of the security he needed being secure, that no one could take that away from him. And therefore, he had the freedom to be able to love and to sacrifice and even to die because no one could take that away. That Jesus would say, I lay down my life for the sheep. I give it freely. No one, no one takes my life from me. I give my life because no one can take it. And so we have that assurance in Jesus, not only of the provision that he's offering, but also of the participation in that life that Jesus brings us into, that we also can be secure in our identities in Christ so that we don't have to grapple for power, grasp for power, or fortify up the power that we have because we're secure in Christ in that. And I just think it's very, again, the richness of the eating and drinking. There's a participation with eating and drinking, right? There's not like, oh, you're eating and drinking this. I'm going to be able to take it in by watching you do it. There's no third party receiving of eating and drinking. 
You have to physically chew the food and drink the water and put it in your body and receive it in your body in order to receive that provision. And in the same way, Jesus invites us into that participation. That isn't a watching of it happening, but actually taking place in our beings, in our lives. Today, we proclaim good news. The God of creation is breathing new life into your bodies and into his body, the church. While the world goes on powering up and building stockpiles or self-preserving with fortresses, you, church, are invited into freedom, into the freedom of God's limitless abundance that no one can take away to love one another, to love the other. I know that this good news has been so relevant to me over the last few weeks. I, after six years of being home full-time with my son as a full-time caregiver, I have started going back, I went back to work, I started a new job. And I feel that self-preservation all the time. I'm exhausted, <laughs> I have no idea how to do the things that I wanna do, keep up with things, and I, this week, I was telling Mallory right before we started, like, I miss my friends. <laughs> I miss seeing my friends. And what do, what do I do when I feel powerless? Well, I try to grasp and hold on to what I have. I try to self-preserve and fortify myself up. And that includes me, for example, scapegoating my husband and being resentful toward him because I don't have what I need. I need that invitation and the reminder of God that here is daily bread, that here at the table is a nourishment of my soul, that there's freedom, that I have everything I need and I can step into things differently but fully in the fullness of life that God gives. So that's one side of it. On the other side, I'm really noticing places where I power up. And I'm definitely a person who's more in touch with my personal stories of powerlessness, more so than my stories of power. So this is where it's been really helpful to talk about privilege and those discussions that we're having. But I realize that in my bones, I have received these cultural definitions of power, right? That People who have power are CEOs and political leaders and people with name recognition. They're people with charisma and people who are funny and people who can have, be assertive. And I don't feel those things in myself. I don't see those things in myself. So it's really helpful, as Father Ben encouraged us a few weeks ago, to begin to recognize where, where do I see power in my life, though? For example, as a parent. And in the job that I'm in, uh, I am an instructional aide in a kindergarten class. I have 22, work with 22 little four and five-year-olds, and we all know that is a world of not much power for those little ones. <laughs> and I notice that, sadly enough, even though I have a huge power differential over them, that when little Nina says to me during class, you don't need to sit at my table, this is my table, and I'm doing my work, and you can go somewhere else, that my reaction is, oh, no. It is time to power up and let you know that I have the authority here. <laughs> that even when I do have power, it's hard for me to recognize it, and it's hard for me to know what to do with it. Because my experience is receiving and experiencing powerlessness and then doing all the things that I can do to make sure that doesn't happen. And so when even little Nina says to me, I'm going to power up, then I say, yes, I'm going to power up back. <laughs> but then I realize like, that she's gets frustrated because her work isn't perfect and that she tends to be kind of mean when she feels powerless. And when I realize like my power is not at stake in my relationship with you, then I can name for her what she's experiencing and what, what good I see in her 
and how she can work through that. And I can proclaim good news to her instead of having to live in feeling like she's getting under my skin and that I need to let her know what's up. <laughs> because my power is not at stake. I am secure in Christ. I have everything I need in Christ. So where do you notice these strategies in yourself this morning? Whether that's something's getting under your skin, something's making you shrink back. Where do you notice uh, where you have a hard time living into your own gifts and skills, your own authority? Where you feel those stories of, of powerlessness that have been told to you over time? Where you feel imposter syndrome or inadequacy, where you worry about the judgment of others? What would look different if you trusted in the assurance that just as God is breathing the breath of life into your lungs, he's given you the fullness of life for all things? If you rested in the confidence that God has created you with authority that no one can take away, how would you be made free to love in the face of worldly power? The God of creation is breathing new life into your bodies and into his body, the church. So while the world goes on powering up, and building stockpiles, or self-preserving with fortresses, you, church, you, church, us, we are invited into freedom. We are secure in Christ. We have access to God's limitless abundance that no one can take away, to love one another, to love the other, to love ourselves. As we receive that good news this morning, there are several ways that I would encourage us to respond. And first, Father Spencer even already named it this morning uh, at the table in Eucharist. And I don't think we would be good Anglicans if we did not <laughs> talk about the invitation at the table. That, as, he, as Father Spencer mentioned, it's not just, while there is a remembering, while there is an orientation and a reorientation that happens at the table, that our value in sacramental life, which is to say that there is a wedding of the heavenly and the earthly and the mysteries of the spiritual that happen in life, that it's not just the physical that we can touch, but it's everything that we can't see, that God, where God is dwelling in us and with us, that that happens at his table. And that even though we're getting this tiny piece of bread and a tiny sip of wine, that God is somehow mysteriously nourishing our entire being and our entire body here together as we receive at the table. And so I love how we've, we talk about making hands that receive, putting our hands out, not grabbing, not taking, but putting our hands out to receive what God has given us, that God has created us and loves us and gives us everything we need, and we can receive that from him, and we can receive it at the table and be nourished in that. Another way that I would in invite us to respond is in our life together as a church. We need one another, and others need us. And it's hard. It's hard, especially in, a, in the privilege that many of us have, in the wealth that many of us have. It's hard for us to express our need and to receive the care from others. But I'm thankful that we can be a body together where that can happen. We can hold that out. We can care and love for one another. So where, um, just where do you see a need for connection and a need and where uh, we can invite each other into our lives and receive and also give? And one of the places that we are beginning to learn to do this and be able to embody this is even just in DNA groups, which will be starting up again. 
which is a place not only to care and receive from one another, but to be able to face our stories of powerlessness, to be able to name the ways that we are embodying power <laughs> to get things that we already have in Christ. So participating in DNA groups. And then last, I was, I was just thinking of the importance for some of us, or for many of us, and maybe for all of us, I think some people would say, just as we, we are facing these stories of powers, powerlessness and trauma, being open to counseling or spiritual direction. And I know that Fathers Matt and Ben and Spencer and Deacon Nancy, um, they can give recommendations. I think, you know, you are not alone. I am not alone. We are not alone. And there's wisdom that we can receive from others, especially as we're facing stories of powerlessness. So I know Nancy does spiritual direction. The Borums do spiritual direction. Larry could give probably recommendations or direction on if counseling would be a good option. All of those, I, I so appreciate how our church recognizing who we are as whole people and that as whole people, God wants to bring healing and God wants to, to give provision for us. So that would be another option. So this morning, as we just continue to reflect on this good news, uh, where is God speaking that into you this morning? Let's receive from the Lord all of the goodness he has for us and the abundance and provision he has. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.